I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to TF3, where tonight it is T2, the two, Chris Hennage being one of the others. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Chris, we didn't get your final opinions on Euro 2016 on the summary podcast. You know, uh, we're a shit. Uh, What did you come out of the tournament thinking? I came out thinking that things had gone full circle. So you had the 2004 final. Ronaldo loses on home soil, his tears, all that situation, to the point where now Portugal had done to France what... Greece did to them in 04. It was an underdog performance that was defensive but quite brilliant in the same instance. And the only shift over, I guess you could say, was that Ronaldo Sanchez had not only taken the records in place of Ronaldo in that story, he had actually gone one step further and been able to win it. Now, he wasn't, I would say, central to the victory. Obviously, that was Ed Air. But then even that, from a tactical perspective, it was nice because... <sighs> It depends entirely on how you interpret it. Uh, Fernando Santos either is nearly undone by his unwillingness to trust there, or is rewarded for the fact that he waited to put him on at the time that he did. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that. I also uh, I got this question as well, Chris, and I, I do think it's quite an interesting one. Do you think at all that, you know, you, you, know, you kind of compared Portugal to Greece there in a sense. Do you find it at all interesting that Basically, they did. You know, they they played a they played some pretty football. They played some intelligent football, but they seem to be getting a lot more credit because their players are almost better known. Yeah, I think that's a fair one. I mean, that's that's something you have to consider as well. Is the likes of Charisma Nani or they're more established names? And I think whereas maybe if we were like Nani, do you think would be do you think people be falling in love in the same way? There are other people who have worked bloody hard in football. It's just they've not had the stories written about them. True. I, th- I think the other thing as well is there was a perception going to this tournament that the Portuguese didn't have that unity. Whereas very quickly on in 2004, it was established that right Greece is this beautiful coming together of a team that knows it's maybe not the best individually, but thinks it can achieve something as a unit if it stays together and doesn't break its wall. Oh, very good point. Um, but anyway, that, that that Portugal side puts themselves in the history books. Uh, do you feel at all sorry for France? A little bit. I, th- I think from a from a mental perspective, always because it's it's 
to me, it's no different to Neymar in Brazil or you know Brazil in the fifties. It's that idea of you had a chance to become remembered positively for the yeah. entirety of your career, no matter what you did, and you've lost that opportunity. And I imagine, thankfully, it's not something I don't think I'll ever go through. But I imagine it haunts you pretty much for the rest of of your days without wishing to sound too uh, brilliant dramatic. Uh, well, always positive. Uh, Chris, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast. Um, <laughs> it, no, but seriously, it, you know, obviously that, that does sit with some people for the rest of their career. Um, however, I guess that, that you know, the same could be said of Ronaldo and that's not really sat on him, so it might just be approaches. Um, mm. Sometimes I'm too eager to find a narrative. Uh, I don't think Kristen's the same. But of course, the next narrative is picked up again, or the same narrative is picked up again. But there is, Chris, there's sort of a fresh feeling to the Premier League as we approach this new season, isn't there? You know, the Conte, uh, the Kante, uh, the Klopte, the Jose, the Pep, A. Um, a? Yeah, it, it's, it's the excitement that always comes with a new season and new faces. Um, I think, I think. And I tweeted this out this week. I think Conte will bring an excitement for those who enjoy really understanding and analysing the tactical side of things and the small details um, because he seems very comfortable and willing to discuss that and I'm not sure how many coaches in the Premier League usually are. For the most point, or for the most part, excuse me, they're not really that keen to do it in my experience. Yeah. Um, I think he's a little bit different. The, the Conte thing for me is interesting because now there's expectation on him. And and sometimes there can be, I think, just as much fun in watching those who are returning as those who are just arriving because the expectation has shifted somewhat. So now people will expect N'Golo Kante to dominate midfields um, pretty much every week because of last season. And we'll see how much of his success was down to the way it would set up and things like that. So it'll it'll certainly be interesting to watch. I'm hoping he can kind of shatter a few illusions as well because this idea that He's just so good because he covers so much ground. There was a stat floating around the other day that had Cesc Fabregas covering more ground than him. Now, I talked to Dave about this the other day and said it's you know it's kind of one of the problems with with stats is that sometimes they're not always interpreted properly. What is ground? And and I mean in in that instance, it doesn't tell you how much of that ground for Fabregas was him chasing back to his own goal trying yeah, to yeah. stop an attack. Yeah. But I think what it does highlight is that actually. Angola Kante is more than just good legs that can cover ground. It's someone that can do it intelligently as well. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see how that manifests with, with Kante at the helm. Yeah, that is quite interesting, isn't it? Obviously, there's a couple of... Well, Kante obviously also lost his first uh, manager, uh, management uh, game uh, for Chelsea. Yeah, 2-0 to Rapa Vienna. Oh, well. Uh, they, do, they need Kante in there, it seems. Uh, t- to step back but he, he uh, post-match said the players were risking asking for trouble by getting uh, defeated in their first friendly it is going to be somewhat of a transition for him isn't it and I'm wondering pff, how many of these players are going to be able to apply the uh, Conte uh, ideas as quickly as he wants yeah that's a, that's a great point I think that's sometimes when you see a manager like him come in, it, it will usually be followed by a number of players that he either knows or players that he's watched in in his previous league or his previous job. There's still a good portion of the window left. It's only mid-July at this point. And he, has, uh, he hasn't had very long with them, to be fair. I mean, he has literally just left. Italy, yeah, so, you know. exactly. Um, I think Papa 
did your body play the other day? Um, yep. which tells you in some ways where the squad is at in terms of being a finished article or a finished project. I think he'll work with most of them because actually, if you keep things relatively simple with players, which I think he will do, then he'll be okay. And of course, the, the quote that follows him around pretty much all summer is Andrea Pilo saying his words crash through the walls of your mind or something to that effect. Yeah. So I think he'll have no problem explaining himself. Thought inception. Uh, although Diego Costa, Willian, Nemanja Matic and John Terry were all there as, the, as Chelsea lost 2-0 on Saturday. Uh, however, not the same uh, for Manchester United who started uh, Jose Mourinho's reign with actually quite a pleasant win, Chris, against Wigan. Um, Mkhitaryan played. Uh, Jose looked happy. Some more youth out there. It's all coming up. Um, Woodward. <laughs> Eric Eric Bally looked quite decent as well, quite composed. Yeah, yeah he um, did actually, didn't he? Granted, it's a League One side that's about to become a, a Championship side in a couple of weeks. The thing with with Man United will be seeing how that youth is integrated that you you kind of touched on there. Um, they've clearly got some talent in the ranks, um, and yet I remember reading quite recently that he, he's already put. Uh, game of Varela on the transfer list so he's, he seems to be moving very quickly in terms of identifying who's going to hang around and who's not um, Matic they have play under him to be fair yeah I mean the thing is they've they've spent a good amount of money it's difficult to gauge how much it really is because of the TV deal and everything changing mm-hmm. um, there's just an expectation with Mourinho that, that's, that's the thing you get him in for instant results you don't get him in for the long term so it's it's going to have to hit the ground running, and I'm curious to see how that manifests. <clears throat> anyway, there there are some exciting things going on at United. Um, apparently, Pogba's United move will be a step back, according to Allegri. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I mean that's pretty much just a good dig, isn't it? The the thing is, I don't think Paul Pogba has has really made any kind of suggestion or even moves that that C wants to leave he's actually been quite respectful of Juventus and, and I think he's even said I could be totally wrong I think he's actually said he wants and would be quite happy to stay in the first place uh, I mean I think um, you know he's uh, he's hedging his bets should we put mm. it that way yeah exactly there's no there's no need at this point because I think he realises it's a lot of money to ask for any player well, and yeah, it's but also, why, why would you push out of any you know why would you push out of a club like that when you're basically at the top of the Italian league true that's the th- I, th- I think what he's blessed with which not all great players of his ilk are is a maturity to realise he is still quite young and waiting say one more year is not the worst thing in the world um, for his career because he's he is he's achieving success at Juventus and he's playing very well and I think he's he's likely learning with each passing game, more of the mental side and, and how to play intelligently, which is something I think a lot of players pick up in Italy. Because um, I always think back to, to Paul Gascoigne, um, and there's a documentary, I can't remember Still the name alive. of it. Um, it's, it's on YouTube, though, so you can, can watch it. He talks about when he first moved to Lazio and, and the idea that they said, you know, what's the differences? And he said, well, in England, the defenders run towards me. Here, they don't. They stand off me. Yeah. And I've really got to do something quite decent to beat them. Um, and I think that is a skill that can never really be too underrated in, uh, in even in modern football, let alone football of, of the early 90s. Let's go to your neck of the woods. 
obviously Rafa Benitez is shaping a side in pre-season. They're looking to hold on to a couple of players there in Newcastle. But what's what's the overall vibe at the club? You know, what what are you picking up uh, going into the championship? Change, I think. Ch- change across the board, right across from not just playing staff, but mentality, uh, openness, transparency. It, it feeds down into a lot of different avenues. So the the club seem to be embracing the supporters more. Um, they seem to actually be trying to build an atmosphere and a culture there now. And even just, I, th- I think, you know, people often say Rafa Benitez is very detail-oriented tactically. I think that trait then seeps out into almost every facet of his life. Well, so, I, I also think he, he uh, learned, he had a huge appreciation for that when he first came to Liverpool, so I can thoroughly agree. I think he realises how important it is to have all of that around the club, and not only that, but express it to the fans to get that backing. Exactly, and I think there's a, there is a forethought with him that Newcastle fans in particular, after the few years they've had under the likes of Pardew, Ashley, etc., and McLaren, they really appreciate it. So a very good example of that, I think, is if you look at Hillsborough, that is a global story. It's known across the world, football fans, non-football fans. The passing of the two Newcastle fans in the MH17 plane crash is maybe not as conscious. Yeah. And yet he took the time to, to kind of pass his condolences on as the anniversary approached. Um, I think it was July 17th. was Because they were actually going to the preseason tour um, for Newcastle so they were supporting their team when they passed which is yeah. even sadder yeah. I just think it's things like that that he seems to get and take on board that just helps him even more I mean he, again he's a great coach he's a great tactician he's fixing a lot of things that should have been fixed years ago and I just think there is an appreciation of that someone that is treating their team with the kind of care but also respect that I think every fan wants. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, think that's always appreciated. That is good whilst things are going well for Benitez. I think um, I, it's going to be interesting to see when the pressure's on for him and there's people aren't as forgiving what happens. Um, obviously, I want to see the best for Rafa. I think he's nice. I think he's a nice enough guy. Um, but I also, f- I, you know, I'm, I always worry for him with the English press because this is actually quite a high-profile job, despite it being the league below the top league. Um, and it's high profile because it's a, with a big club and it's also mm. with uh, essentially w- uh, as, as, there's this air of almost wanting Newcastle or specifically Mike Ashley to fail um, and possibly with that some of the Newcastle fans becoming completely uh, you know um, apoplectic because it sells newspapers and at the same time you know it sort of depicts certain sets of people in a certain light um, and it makes it a lot easier to box them in and I, I feel quite sorry for Newcastle fans in that sense I think his transfer strategy helps a little bit as well um, not so much in, in who he buys but the way he communicates that to supporters so interesting it's it's helped by the fact that he's got more control so I don't necessarily know if Alan Pardew and Steve McLaren and even John Carver could have done this because they didn't really have a great deal to say. But well, I think John Carver tried his best, but he, it's just what he said, which was the issue. <laughs> yeah. But the way that kind of Benitez has this power means that, like, just for example, on the Sunday, he says, you know, we're hoping to have a defender in by the Doncaster game on Wednesday. 
the fans actually really kind of appreciate those little things because yeah. it's it's again it's that communication it, it makes you feel as if you're invested in something and you know it's I guess it's almost like a friend talking to you in that sense. You know, it's kind of that idea of, oh, look, we'll, you know, we'll look to have this sorted by then. And just that transparency, again, it feeds into the idea that, you know, things are slowly turning around. And it's it's ultimately very nice to, to see as someone I, who has I a, do, an investment. Yeah, I do also think Rafa is very sort of barefaced or at least open um, mm-hmm. when things are going, when things are going Rafa's way if that makes sense. I, I, you know, he can be a little bit naive sometimes. I think that he's found to be maybe a little bit too open to the press at times. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we know about the whole facts thing. Um, And, you know, I think there were, I think a lot of people realized what he was trying to express, but maybe he was not expressing it in the healthiest of ways. Um, Even if, you know, some of those things didn't necessarily ring true. Um, I think... Uh, yeah I agree I also think it sometimes puts some other people's backs up who have their own agenda and I think uh, Newcastle needs to be a club that wholly follow Rafa's agenda because if they leave that I think that's where the disharmony comes Mm -hmm. Uh, ultimately also because I think Rafa's agenda tends to be quite a good one Um, or at least tends to be quite an, an astute one and also tends not to treat the fans with contempt uh, speaking of Sam Allardyce, Chris, um, he he is leaving Sunderland. No, yes, I, I think. FA. What? <laughs> Why I would think you want something him? totally different on on Wayside at the minute? Yeah. Um, there are, there are two very separate points here. The one is how good will he be for England, assuming he takes the job. Which, from what I've been hearing, from what I can gauge is increasingly likely because he's wanted this job for years and I think he's self-aware enough to know that if he doesn't take it now, the age he's at, he will not get another opportunity to take it. Um, 50... I think he's 61. Wow, he looks good, actually. 59? No, I don't don't know. He's 61. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I was Um, guessing. Uh, But, I I mean, I'm in that age bracket. Yeah, 61. Um, 61. And the, the other kind of very separate... Um, track on this railroad is how kind of really disruptive and detrimental this will be for Sunderland because for the first time in you could argue a fair few years now they were going into the summer going into this transfer period looking like they had some stability like they actually had an idea and they had a manager who knew exactly who he wanted to come into the football club and where they wanted to go with it and the second you lose that at what will be kind of the midpoint of the summer was maybe I think about a month until the season kicks off, a month and a half until the transfer window closes. You've got to get someone brand new in um, who their top two targets are Sean Dyche and David Moyes and then say, okay, build us you know, a plan and a strategy having just met these players and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just, honestly, for a team named the Black Cats, I've never seen someone so unlucky. Oh, that's awkward. Um, but Chris, talk to me a little bit uh, about. Well, I mean, there's quite a lot to cover in the Premier League, isn't there? Can we talk a bit about uh, Tottenham's deals they've done so far? They've just uh, signed a deal for, I want to say, Kudo? Kudo? From Mar- Kudo from Marseille, 11 million. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised by that one. Um, I, I felt him going to Marseille in the first place was a little bit ahead of his trajectory so the fact that now Spurs have come and 
plucked him feels like a very similar situation. Um, I'm a little bit surprised again that Spurs are going back to the French market after buying Clinton and G and not being overly impressed with, with what they got. Um, well, if, we've, if we messed up the first time, the second time can't be any worse. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what, it's, it's that thing of Spurs' perception shifted a lot last season in the sense that they, they finished second. There's this idea that now is the summer that they kick on and move forward. I just, I'm not sure if I've seen that with the, the signings they've made. Um, Janssen is not a terrible player. There's still a lot to be decided about him now. He's, he's very much an unknown quantity because he's only done it for one season in the top flight. Prior to that, he was in the second tier. Um, and as we talked about on Friday, there was a few instances where big games, he just went missing. Um, and I'm not sure if he's going to be able to build up the momentum he needs playing behind someone like Harry Kane on the depth chart. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, and so, again, it's, it's, look, they've got more things to worry about this season, so maybe they manage that much better now they've got Janssen. Um, I think it will be difficult to truly gauge how well Spurs will do just because there are so many moving parts that are really unknown. Yeah. Um, what about Leicester, Chris? Um, Kante obviously already gone. Mares apparently not going to take a new contract. I know, honestly, I mean, I know they won the league last season, but that's not going to be their expectation this season. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's as terrible as people are painting. No, I don't think it is. They, they've signed uh, Mpale Mendy, who, from all I've been able to read and, and hear from people who know more on the French League um, and see him a lot more regularly, think it'll be a fairly smooth transition. Um, so, I, I, again, you've, you've got Ranieri. The, the only concern you have with Ranieri is that if you look at his career recently with managerial situations, the second season has tended to be a bit of a slump for him. So it was that way at Monaco. Um as a as a prime example, he got them. I think he got promoted in the first year, and then the second year, or, or something along those lines. Anyway, he has that sophomore slump, as they say, and that would be my concern for for Leicester is that maybe they don't hit the same heights, but I think it'll still be high relative to what they expected. Twelve months ago, yeah, twelve months ago, yeah, even twelve months ago, uh, yeah, they they would have been. Well, I don't know what they would have expected at the beginning of the season. Just to stay up would have been nice. Um, it, and it is going to be hot. I mean, I heard from Ranieri himself. Uh, he called me and said, Lawrence, it's going to be harder to win the Premier League this season. I said, I know, Claudio. He said, goodbye. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think he's right. I think it is going to be harder to win the Premier League this season for everyone, not just Leicester, who are probably not going to be uh, mm. up there with the odds, but for for everyone in the league. And that's why Payet's staying, Chris. He is, and you know, the the money he's on will will not be hard to spend in somewhere like London. Um, yeah, good point. That's the thing with with West Ham in general is there's clearly ambition there. I think there needs to be just a slight refinement in the acquisitions process um, because for every situation like Pye where they've picked up someone good or Lanzini, there's still the ghost of Andy Carroll sitting there. There's Matt Jarvis who they paid 11 million for and then sold for two and a half. Um, of course, you're always going to have you know bombs when you when you work in the transfer market. It, it's not something you can avoid entirely. I just think they maybe need to spend their money a little bit wiser. That's that's my only concern because now they're trying to to sort this Diafrasacco situation and he's refusing to play, refusing to to travel with the team, and yet they can't quite get the money they want from. Um, in other news, um, Real Madrid and Barcelona have both released a purple kit. Yes, that's. I mean, that's exceptionally interesting as well. Let's not forget that. Um, I think I quite like Barcelona's. Do you have any strong opinions on either? Um, Barcelona's. I, under, I understand older. you're trying to make conversation out of a carcass here, um, but at the same time, uh, what Adidas have done with Real Madrid's away kit does look nice. It looks as if what they've kind of done is they've gone for a form for the home kit, which is stripes down the side of the body. And then on the away kits, they've gone for stripes on top of their shoulders. Um, tell me what, what kit you've seen so far in pre-season, guys. We'd love to hear and see your kits that you've seen so far that are coming out that people like. Quite like Liverpool's. Chris, have Newcastle got a new one for the championship? Uh, they do. Uh, I can exclusively reveal it is black and white. Um, Good God. For the 90-odd year running, which yeah. is impressive. How on um, original? They're, they've done their away kits as well. One is white with purple. I think the other is a sort of navy stroke orange. So purple chest is the, are you saying purple is the colour of champions this year? Uh, possibly. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of a lilac if you want to be really specific. Um, the other one, the, the, the navy and orange one I touched on there, reminds me of the one they had, oh Christ, when was this? Mid, mid to late 90s, John Barnes era. Um, so this may predate some of our listeners. Probably all and, of them. And if you can Google it, just don't Google the goalkeeper top because you will likely collapse. Um, Because it had a, I don't know if you remember this, a black spiral design. I did, and I think I actually wanted that kit. Oh, God, it gave you headaches. Oh, my goodness me. It was worse than Japanese cartoons. What year was this? I'll try and find it. Uh, 97, 98, maybe? Hold on, I'm just looking through my Pokemon database, and I'll open up my phone. Uh, Newcastle... What away kit? Uh, no goalkeeper kit. Two what nineteen ninety eight? Newcastle. Ah uh, yes, yeah. I did actually want that kit. Tell you what, Chris. Newcastle have had some nice. Oh, the one where they've got the uh, the, the skyline. The skyline. Yeah, yeah that is I a, had that one. That's a good. That is a good kit. I, I kind of wish they'd go back to that. Yeah, the, the, a few people say that that it needs to kind of embrace the the city, the culture, the heritage a bit more. Um, obviously, they'll never get the the brown ale logo sponsor anytime soon, which is a shame because it was quite iconic. You know um, what? Adidas really nailed that kit, didn't they? They did. 
Um, I personally don't have the greatest memories of it because a bird pooed on me when I was wearing it. Um, <laughs> every time. <laughs> just the ones, thank you. There it is, game. Same fucking bird every time. Yeah. Um, didn't even get a name. But, um, yeah, it, it was that a nice gift. That, that, that is a whole other image, to be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a nice kit. Um, I think the green one around that time was quite nice. So like a very strong mint green. Ah, yeah, that one was good. And then, the, the, you know what? I'm flicking through them right now. There are some good kits. The ones just before that, though, the kind of... The where am I have been sort of the, the end of the Keegan era. Actually, the entire of the Keegan era. The goalkeeper shirts are really, really bad. Is that the Asics t-shirts? No, no. So it's still it's still Adidas. Oh, uh, and this they? is when Newcastle had its own store at the airport. Um, Newcastle Airport. Now only Sunderland have a store there. Newcastle don't, um, which is bizarre. Suppose you've got to come into the city for that one. Yeah, and they make a big point of advertising that they've got Premier League football now as well, which, to be fair, I would do the same thing. Yeah. Um, they were like grey, white, but it was just a mesh of mad kind of colours and stuff. Um, I'll, I'll find the pictures and we'll put them up on the Twitter or something for the young folks to look at Send and just them over. thank themselves they don't have to wear that kind of stuff. I kind of miss those. And if anything, uh, I'm looking for that very goalkeeper kit. So if someone can uh, help me out, maybe I'll go to Classic Football Kits uk. Um, let's let's take a look through the rest of these head- is, Chris obviously MLS is continuing Tim Howard mm-hmm. has returned he's happy to be uh, home essentially yes kind of I mean he's a if I remember right he's a New Jersey native yeah. he's playing now in Colorado Colorado yeah it's a uh, rapid change isn't it <gasps> <laughs> tremendous um, I think for him it was just about being close to family at this point yeah. He's closer to 40, I think, than 30. So why not just sell the last few years on a, on a decent contract? He's, you know, he's, he's not underpaid, I think. Um, Obviously. But already he's only played, I think, twice, maybe three times. And he has produced a fair few good saves, kind of really high-quality saves, in fact. And Colorado in general are a curious side this year because everyone expected them to tank, self-included, because last year they were atrocious and they've actually been brilliant. Um, and I think he'll be potentially the final piece of that puzzle and we'll give them the kind of goalkeeping that you need to, to potentially win a championship. Quite exciting, of course. I've, I've barely mentioned Liverpool. Quite exciting to see uh, what they're doing in pre-season. Uh, Liverpool won, I think, 1-0, 5-0, 2-0 just the other day against Wigan. Joel Matip, Matip uh, limping out towards the end. But Jack, Danny Ings making a triumphant return for Liverpool in this preseason, uh, scoring 2 goals so far and obviously uh, Marco Grijic who was ruled out for a virus uh, but did manage to play the previous game scored his first goal for the club obviously against Fleetwood but still um, some positive moves there for Liverpool Chris and it seems like uh, Klopp sort of getting his hands on the players it, they're saying pre-season is much more intensive than they've ever had it I can I can believe that I think you talk to anyone whether you watch the Bundesliga regularly or not the one word that used to follow Klopp was intensity whether it be his press conferences or the way the team played. Mm. Um, and actually, that was one of the criticisms I remember being levelled at him early on was that he was going to try and implement that from day one with Liverpool and it would likely cause a rash of injuries and, and yeah. not be the best time to do it. Um, but it turns out Mamadou, also, Mamadou Sacco is fine. Uh, yeah. I think also that's why this season could be quite an exciting one for Liverpool because now they've had the time and the opportunity to bed that hole in process and procedure in um, and I think 
the difficulty for them at this precise moment is going to be fitting all these guys in because I do think he said you know he's basically said that I've got a bloated squad and that's why Martin Skirtle's gone uh, to Fenerbahce. Uh, we also see what are you laughing at, Chris? I just like the idea of that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> Martin, well, I've got a bloated squad. I need to get rid of you. Yeah. Um, but we've got six attackers and two defenders. Yeah, I know, but it's still bloated. Yeah, in many ways, I see he was a striker. Um, he, he's also let Jordan Ibe go to Bournemouth, which I think quite a few Liverpool fans are upset about. Are you surprised? Uh, well, am I surprised? Uh, yeah. Um, you know what? No, I, I am surprised about 15 million for Jordan Ibe. Um, English, but, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a young, promising winger. English on the TV deal. You're going to get 15 million at least. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like that's it. part of maybe this summer. I think a lot of people sort of thought, um, I think there's a buyback clause in there for Liverpool, which is definitely good for them because he's a Liverpool supporter anyway. Um, and I don't think he's sort of left with any kind of bad blood. But at the same time, when he, met, when he went to the new club, he said he was looking forward to playing under a manager a lot more like Brendan Rodgers. So that's good for Monk. Um, but yeah, moving on from that um, apparently uh, Chris and this is what I find interesting uh, people are already billing the battle between Mourinho and Pep even though they're not even anywhere near each other right now no but then you know you look at and I think we talked about this before Mourinho's career the the focus of it has shifted from winning the Champions League and being defined by that competition to being defined by Pep Guardiola and it going back to the days of Barcelona when you know you had all these potential great coaches like Coleman and Guardiola and Van Hall working together and Mourinho as well and Mourinho was the only one that kind of wasn't indoctrinated into the Barcelona way of things and the Ajax way of things um, or one or the other and the similarities between those two if anything he was a bit more like Ferguson. He was a bit more Machiavellian. It was it was about winning the game and nothing else. Um, and how that really just goes against everything that Guardiola stands for. Um, and so it's no surprise that already, this is before you add in all the tabloid kind of back and forth those two have had, that people are, are sizing up that. Because that's the other thing as well with the Premier League. It's, it's the Don King of football leagues. It's all about the battle. It's all about hyping things up before they even get started. What do you think of, oh, speaking of hyping things up before they get started, um, Deeney has signed a new five-year deal at Watford, um, apparently to end Leicester's interest. Uh, but apparently he, he was offered a ridiculous amount of money to leave the country, obviously, for China. Uh, Pella was the uh, striker that they ultimately took away from the Premier League uh, to go away and get paid more wages than uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, what do you what do you think of what's going on with everything? Everyone, not even everyone, some people, Chris, going to China. Someone has gone to another country. Um, I guess if, if Hulk, I'm slightly surprised. I think he was in a losing situation because Zenit were always going to want an absolute humdinger of a bid to let him go in the first place. Um, and I think that kind of ruled him out of of many potential clubs as a consequence. With Pella. Honestly, the career he's had, he, he very much bounced around a lot of different clubs when he was younger. He couldn't really score goals consistently until he got to, I want to say, RZ, and then Feyenoord, and then Southampton. Um, and he's at the stage of his career now where, I want to say he's 30 or thereabouts, 
So the notion of him spending two years there earning what will be close to 30, 35 million euros, yeah. that's going to set him up for life, set his family up for life, and will give him a security that I don't think anyone else could. Now, granted, Hulk is of similar age. He's about 29. Um, but I think for him, there could have been something maybe to, to do in Europe still. In fairness, there's every chance that the two of them come back because there's, there's a fair few players. I think if you look at Alex Teixeira, who was supposed to go to Liverpool before he um, moved to China, he's already being kind of suggested as coming back to, to play in Europe after a less than great spell in China. So the idea that every player who goes to China sees their contract out, I think is a little bit naive. Uh, yeah, very good point. Um, Chris, obviously Gary Monk has been uh, unveiled as Leeds manager. Um, what's the deal there, do you think? Um, I think I think Leeds needed a coach like him. I think after the, the few years they've had under Chilino, it's been a, an unmitigated disaster. Um, and they needed someone just to bring a little bit of calm and some fresh ideas in and I think they got lucky with the fact that Monk needed to kind of rehab his image after this Swansea situation and I think actually it could be a decent old fit they've got uh, Kyle Bartley on loan from Swansea made a few decent young signings I had a push maybe they sneak into the playoffs um, I think it just depends how uh, Chilino manages it because at the minute he is the biggest problem with Leeds consistently um, he sacks managers needlessly he gives the club absolutely no stability and whether you hate Leeds or love Leeds personally I've got a little bit of a soft spot for them to me they were kind of a central figure or a central team in my childhood when I watched football from the 70s the Damned United all that kind of stuff there is a beautiful to me at least folklore and history around Leeds um, and it's always sad to, to see them struggle in the way that they have um, I just think like I say Chilino's got to step back he's got to this is, I mean, that's a, a golden rule, I think, for almost any owner at this point is you have to accept that you can't make every decision and that some of the best decisions you make will be allowing others to make them for you. Um, Chris, I don't read newspapers or watch TV, just porn. Who said that? Uh, me in a text to you, so I don't know why you're bringing that up. Uh, uh, good point. Uh, it was Roberto no. Mancini. It was. It was Bobby Mancini talking yeah. about Mario Icardi rooms. Um mm. I mean, look, he said it with a, a cheeky smile and a, a glint in his Didn't eye. say what kind of porn. No, of course. Um, that, porn. Would, that would be too rude. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a Charles bike outside, uh, all that kind Jeez. of stuff. Um, the Icardi situation is a curious one because I think, Inter, I think honestly, Inter would like to sell if they could. Um, right. Now is a good time. Okay. Well, because the thing is, this is the summer where everybody overspends. And there's talk of him costing like 46 million, which is a massive fee um, for any club, let alone a club like Inter who could do with the money. Um, You know, they've tried to sell Davide Santon, they've tried to trim the squad a little bit there. I think they're a team that has a bit of a a bloated squad to borrow for his. Um, And as good as Icardi is, I don't think he's above going for 46 million pounds. but there's no need to let people know that you want to sell. It's far better if you make it seem like you don't because then it's easier to demand the price that you want eventually. Very good point. Um, Chris, what are you looking forward to about all these pre-seasons? There's still a lot of pre-seasons to come. We've got about a month of pre-seasons still to go. 
For me personally, I I take great pleasure now in trying to find that breakout player, maybe that one who you weren't expecting to do something that comes in and does something. Mm. Um, equally, from a personal perspective, I'm quite excited to see where this Benitez situation goes um, because I think it has potential. Then just in general, for me, the new arrivals is always a, an interesting thing to watch. Um, I can't say that I had my eye on Golo Kanzi last season. Um, but just in general, it's always nice to see some new faces come to the league and try it out and see what it's like. Mm, yeah, very good point. Let us know, guys. Uh, obviously, this is we're in interim phase here. Some other people quit during pre-season on the podcasting. No, not us. Uh, we're going to stick around with you. And we want to know what you guys want to hear. There's obviously a lot of rumours out there. Uh, let us know for Wednesday night what you guys uh, want to hear. Uh, we will record a podcast, maybe rate some rumours so that you don't have to, uh, and see what else uh, is going on in the football world. Um, obviously, his last time going to AT United, Dave has already uh, covered that one, and uh, a lot of money is, being, is changing hands, but which money uh, interests you? Uh, whose starting level is going to be most interesting next season? Um, and, you know, in general, what are you enjoying about your summer off from football? Because uh, now really is the time to go to bed. Uh, Chris, it's been great to have you on the podcast. Where can people go find you? Uh, Twitter, Facebook, all the usual avenues. Fantastic stuff. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. He's a fantastic guy. Uh, go, go search Chris Hennage or K Hennage, H-E-N-E-A-G-E, uh, and you'll find him there. Excellent journalist and a better friend. Um, I mean, he's, yeah, he's a good journalist and he's a better friend. Yeah, he's a... He's a journalist and he's a best friend. Uh, so we'll see you again uh, midweek and we'll, uh, we'll review a load of things with Adam and Dave, Chris as well. Um, until then, enjoy. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Football.